Welcome to the podcast of Oak Grove Baptist Church in Cleveland, Tennessee. This message was recorded on Easter Sunday, April the 5th, 2015. It begins with Roger Thompson introducing Diane Gates and Sarah Powell as they sing two songs for our Easter service. It is followed by a message from myself, Pastor Jonathan Powell. We hope that you enjoy, and God bless. All right, now it's time for a special music. Diane's going to start us off this morning. This is talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. Mary came unto the tomb of Jesus. The stone was moved and he had gone away. The angel said, Fear not, I know whom seek ye. But he is risen this she heard him say, Gone, the stone is rolled back, gone, the tomb is empty, gone, to sit at the Father's side, gone, over death triumphant, gone, sin is defeated, gone, he Savior, I beg of you, don't wait too late to pray, don't wait until his bread has been completed, don't wait until you hear him say it's too late, because he's gone, the stone is rolled back gone. The tomb is empty, gone, to sit at the Father's side. Gone, over death triumphant, gone, sin is defeated, gone, he lives All right, uh, sir, you sang it for us this morning? Okay, there we go. That'll keep There is only 
everybody. And happy Easter. I tell you, Christmas is, is a lot of fun. I love celebrating the birth of Christ. But for me, there is nothing greater than celebrating Easter. So on this morning, we're celebrating that Jesus is alive and that we can be alive through him. That is what Christianity is all about. Do you realize that? Do you realize that Christianity is all about God taking our dead so-called life and transforming it into something that is truly alive? It all starts here at the empty cross, in the empty tomb, at the amazement of resurrection morning. It is because of this miracle of Jesus being alive that we can boldly proclaim our key verse for this morning. I want to get you to read this out loud with me. It's going to be up here on the screen as well as on the top of your handout. It's Romans 10, 13. And it says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We are saved from sin. We are saved from death. We are saved into eternal life with God the Father because of what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago. What no one else has ever or will ever be able to do. And that is to conquer sin, evil, rebellion, suffering, pain, and even the grave itself. Now for those of us who get that, those of us who not only believe it, but who live it, it is a time of rejoicing every time that we think about this. Not just Easter Sunday, not just Sunday morning, but every morning that we wake up and take a breath, we rejoice at the fact that Jesus Christ is alive. But we understand that sometimes people just don't get it. They look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ and they say, but what does it mean for me today? How can something that happened 2,000 years ago have any impact on my life today? I look around and I don't understand. All I see is brokenness. All I see is broken marriages. All I see is bullies at school. Dead-end jobs, bills that never end. All I feel inside is pain and sorrow and anger and bitterness. And that's if I even feel anything at all. What does the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ have to do with me? Everything. God sees everything you see. He feels everything you are feeling. And he has done everything to make this brokenness whole again. Let's see this morning how you can begin again. How broken can become whole again. How God can work in our lives again. We're going to start our journey in Luke chapter 22 with verse 14 as we trace this theme throughout the New Testament of God's cure for brokenness. And the first thing we have to realize is we are broken. Picking it up in Luke chapter 22 with verse 14, it says this, But when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Then he said to them, I have fervently desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I tell you, from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. It is shed for you. Now let me set the stage for you here. We're picking up at the Last Supper, the night of the Passover, where Jesus 
and his disciples are in the upper room sharing their last meal together. Later this night, Jesus will weep in the garden. He'll be betrayed by a friend. He'll be tried, and even though no guilt will be found in him, he will be beaten, mocked, tortured, and nailed to a cross. Everything that Jesus laid out symbolically in the Last Supper, the bread broken for you, the blood spilled for you, came to pass just a short time later at the crucifixion. Why did he do this? Because we are broken. You might be sitting there right now saying, Preacher, I'm not broken. I'm doing pretty good right now. But you know you have those times when no one else is around, when you're by yourself. You can kind of let that mask of invincibility fall down. Those moments when you sit there and you look out and you have that little bit of doubt when you realize that you are broken. And when you realize that, that bothers you. It bothers us when we think about ourselves being broken because on some level we realize there's more to life than this. There is more than life than having a good job or a car. There's more to life than living in a fancy house or any house at all. There's more to life than even having a good marriage and a good family. As wonderful blessings as those are, there is more to life than that. And it bothers us because we have our entire self-worth built into how well that we can convince everybody else that we are doing. And if we admit that we are broken, then we think we are saying that we are worthless. See, we tend to throw away things that are broken and be done with them. But that's not what God does. God does not just throw away things that are broken. God loves things that are broken. God loves people that are broken. He loves you. And he loves me. But see, here's the problem, though. In those deep, dark moments, we realize that we're broken. What do we try to do? We wake up in the morning and we say, we're going to fix ourselves. We're going to make ourselves right. Let me ask this. Do we have any plumbers in the house? Anybody here a plumber? Okay, let me ask you this. Is there anybody here who has ever tried to do plumbing work in your own home? It's amazing. I see the hands of the men coming up, and I hear the women laughing. <laughs> I like that. Let me share with you a little bit of a story. The first house that Sarah and I built had old pipes that were falling apart, old cast iron pipes that were completely clogged up with rust and gunk and everything else. Couldn't get any water in anywhere, so I said, I'm going to tear all this out. I don't need to call a plumber. I can do this myself. I want to replumb this whole house. I went down to Lowe's. I filled up a pickup truck full of PVC pipe. I bought every coupling they had. I didn't know if I was going to need it or not. I just went ahead and bought it. Got everything they had, I brought it all home, and I started putting all those pipes together, and I put that ceiling on the PVC, and I stuck them together, and I ran into the whole house, crawling under the crawl space, running the pipes up, and I sit there, and I'm finished, I'm going, this is great, this is going to be wonderful. I go, and I turn the water on, and it looked like Niagara Falls had erupted in the middle of my house. You had water spraying everywhere. Water spraying out of places of pipe that I am sure I had not even made a connection at, it was solid pipe, still I had water spraying from it. So what do I do? I shut the water off. Now, Sarah wasn't home at the time. She hadn't come home yet. That, that was key. <laughs> because this story would have ended right there if she had been home. But she wasn't home yet. And I get shut off the water. I go out there, and I start checking for any place that has leaks. I start resealing, recutting, reconnecting, go to Lowe's, buy more stuff, come back, try to fix it again, turn the water back on, and guess what happened? The exact same thing in different places. No matter what I tried to do, I could not fix those broken pipes. And you know why? Because I am not a plumber. 
Try as we might, no matter how hard we try, no matter how many times we say, today I'm going to get it right, we try to fix our broken lives and we never get it right because we are not a Savior. We are not a Savior. And that's who we need to fix our broken lives. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it under our own power. But here's the great and glorious thing. God knows that. God understands that. So God sent us a Savior. He didn't send us a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor, a plumber. He sent us exactly what we needed, and that was a Savior. And He's the one who can fix our broken lives. You see, to us, broken things are despised as worthless. But God can take what has been broken and he can remake it into something better. Something that he can use for his glory. But you have to admit where all of this brokenness comes from. See, broken things and broken people are the result of sin. Sin is when we selfishly insist on doing things our own way and ignore God's design. Yes, God has a design. He has a purpose for each and every one of us. And our life will never truly be whole until we discover a life that is living in that purpose. Until then, we are truly broken. Yet God sent His Son, who was without sin, to be broken so that we might be healed. On the night before He died, Jesus broke the bread. He broke the bread and He said, This is my body which is broken for you. He went all the way to Calvary to die so that we can live. His death has made it possible for broken, sinful humanity to be reconciled to God and to be healed. Without the broken body of Jesus, we could not be made whole. Isaiah 53 and 5 says this, But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Jesus Christ, who could never be broken, took our brokenness upon himself. He took your failed relationships. He took your bad childhood. He took your addictions. He took your shame. He took your guilt. He took your sin to the cross and he broke it upon himself. But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus didn't stay there. And when you come to Christ, he will not leave you there. You do not have to be perfect to come to Jesus Christ. He will meet you in your brokenness. And if you allow him, he will transform your life into something new, into something whole. You see, Jesus wasn't broken in defeat. He was broken in victory. Let's pick the story back up in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 1 through 9. John, chapter 20, begins verse 1. It says this, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. At that, Peter and the other disciples went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had searched the tomb first then entered the tomb, saw and believed. For they still do not understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. 
Can you imagine that first Easter morning? That resurrection Sunday when the disciples realized that Jesus had done exactly as he said he would do and come back to life? Here was the one that they had trusted and put their faith in, and he had been beaten, he had been broken, he had been bruised, and he had been buried. Yet now that tomb was empty. That stone had been rolled away, and Jesus Christ was alive. That's amazing. And John, who was the disciple that Jesus loved, was an eyewitness to this event. And here he is in his gospel describing it in every possible detail. And he includes this one little tidbit that at first seems a throwaway. In verse 7, he says, The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. That's an interesting little tidbit there. Why did he throw that in? Author Michael Kelly wrote a good series of articles about this verse. He says it this way. He says it's a curious thing to include, don't you think? John was there. He saw the whole thing. It's possible that the memory was so ingrained into him that he wanted to record every last detail. But maybe too, buried in this little detail is a commentary about the nature of the risen Lord. Jesus was raised to life. And when he was, he took on the dignity and the glory befitting him. He simply got up in an unhurried manner like the Lord of all creation that he is. He took a few moments to put things in order. Even going so far as doing something that's like making the bed. He folded the wrapping and he laid it aside. And I want you to get this picture in your mind. I want you to see what's happening here. Because Jesus didn't stagger and stumble, blurry-eyed and numb from the coils of death. He rose a conquering hero. And he strode out of the tomb like he owned the place because he does. This is not like the resurrection of Lazarus. We talked about that a couple of weeks back. Remember the resurrection of Lazarus? He came out and he was still all bound in the linens that he had been wrapped in. Jesus had been wrapped in similar cloth and similar linen. Lazarus came out and he kind of had to hop out like this. And Jesus had to tell people, go and unwrap him. Because he couldn't do it himself. This was different. This was different. This was Jesus coming to life and saying, I am putting things in order starting right now. The conquering hero, the conquering king of kings. When he came back to life, creation started to get it right for the first time in thousands of years, for the first time since the Garden of Eden. Jesus took a few moments to give us a little glimpse into the fact that centuries before the cross and the tomb, creation had been broken by sin. It was set in a spiral of disorder where down was up and left was right and everything was flipped on its head. But when he stepped out of the tomb, he announced to that broken creation that he was setting everything back the way it was always supposed to be, out of disorder and into order, out of death and into life, out of brokenness and into wholeness. And maybe that reordering started with that simple act of taking what might have otherwise been a wrinkled, tattered mess and folding it up neatly, and then he walked out of that tomb into the light, having already defeated already defeated the same enemies that you and I face today. Folks, here's the amazing thing. Every day I might lose the battle, but Jesus has already won the war. Every day I might wake up and say, God, I can't do it today. God, I can't make it through today. And God's in there saying, don't worry, I've already done it. I have done it for you. Leave that to me. All I have to do is take my day and lay it at his feet and say, here it is, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Just take it because I can't do it. I am broken. If Jesus would take enough time to straighten that messed up linen on the most important morning in history, how much more effort do you think he is ready to pour into you today whom he loves so very much? 
You see, Christ was resurrected to prove that he was who he said he was, to show that he conquered even death itself, to honor God the Father. But he was also resurrected so that you could be made whole. He was broken and victorious for you. For you. Let's wrap up by looking at 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. We're jumping ahead in the New Testament now where Paul is talking back to the church of Corinth about the resurrection, about what the resurrection means for them. And I encourage you, if you have some time today and you're looking for a devotion to do, to read this whole chapter. It is all about the resurrection and what it means for you. But I want to take just this little bit out of the middle. 1 Corinthians 15, begin with verse 12. And it says this. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is without foundation. And so is your faith. In addition, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Therefore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Now, many of you might be sitting there right now saying, you know, I've tried this church stuff. I've come and I've sat on the pew and I've tried to do good and nothing has happened. My life hasn't changed. My life hasn't gotten any easier. Well, first off, Christianity never said your life's going to get easier. That's nowhere in the Bible. But folks, Christianity is more than sitting on a pew. Living on the resurrection is more than a once a week ritual. You have to wake up each morning and say, God, I am yours. This day is yours. I trust in you and I want you to make the most of me and this day for your glory today. You see, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not true in your daily life, not just once a year, not just once a week, but in every day of your life, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ isn't a true living fact in your life, then you are still lost in your sins and you are still broken. He cannot heal your broken life if you do not surrender your daily life to Him. You have to surrender your brokenness to Him. You have to stop thinking that you're the plumber that can fix all the pipes and you don't have a clue what you're doing. You have to stop thinking that you're the one that can fix your life. That's not going to happen. You can whitewash it. You can make it look better. You can put on a good, happy face for everybody and smile through everything and say, God, look, everything's okay. Don't worry about me. But God knows you. He knows you. And let me tell you this. He knows everything about you. And guess what? He still loves you. And that floors me that he knows everything about me. And he still loves me. He knows that I'm a failure. He knows how many times I have fallen flat on my face. And yet he still loves me. The, the Apostle John called himself the one that Jesus Love. He didn't say that out of pride. He said that out of humility. He's like, I'm the one that Jesus loved. And if Jesus could love me, he can love you too. Because John knew where he stood before Jesus Christ. Folks, here's the thing. No matter what, Jesus Christ loves you. See, God's cure for brokenness is living every second, every day with him through the power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So how do we live in the power of the resurrection in our daily lives? I want to give you three things you can take away. Three things you can take away. Number one, we live through faith. That's step number one. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and was raised from the dead is wonderful. It is amazing. 
but it means absolutely nothing until you accept it on faith. Until you say, Jesus, you died for me personally, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, forgive me of my brokenness, and make me whole. Until you accept it on faith, then what I just told you is meaningless. You have to accept it on faith that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he is, that he is God and you are not. And then two, through fellowship. We were never meant to go through this Christian life alone. We were meant to have fellowship with other believers. And folks, fellowship is more than simply coming to church. Now, I love coming to church. I'd love to see every single one of you back here next Sunday for church. But guess what? If you're just coming to church to sit on the pew and you're going to take off as soon as church is over with, you're not getting as much out of it as God intends. Because, folks, church is never meant to simply be a building that you come to and sit at and hear someone speak. Church is a community of believers. This church is not the address here on Bates Pike. This church is all the people you see around you trying to love God, trying to love each other, trying to be there for each other in fellowship. You want to have fellowship? Come hang out for a while. Talk to one another. Meet everybody. Learn about other struggles people are going through and see how they can maybe help you with your struggles. Spend time together in fellowship. Folks, God gave us the church for a reason because we weren't meant to go through this life alone. And then finally, through fulfillment. Fulfillment. See, here's the thing, folks. God has a purpose for each and every one of you. He has a calling for each and every one of you. Some people are called to be preachers. Some are called to be teachers. Some are called to be musicians. Some are called to go out there and do intercessory prayer for people. Some are called to be encouragers, just to help people when they're feeling low and feeling down. Some are simply called just to give somebody a hug and a pat on the back. Whatever your calling and purpose is in life, whatever it is that God has in store for you, find it and get in it. Because I'm telling you right now, you will not be happy. You will not be whole until you do. God has a design. And whenever we try to fit our plans and our way into his design, it never works. We have to get into God's design. We have to get into where he wants us to be in our life. That might simply be just telling somebody at work that Jesus loves them. That might simply be praying for that long lost friend. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, do it. Now doing this will not make us perfect. It will not make all the pain go away, but it will remind us of that day when he will return. Because folks, the resurrection is wonderful. It is glorious, but it's not the end of the story. See, he spent the next 40 days talking and teaching the disciples and telling them about the kingdom of God. And then 40 days later, they all watched as he ascended back into heaven to be with God the Father. But guess what? Even that, in all of his glory and wonder, is not the end because Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen. He promised he is going to come back. And when he does, he is taking us home with him. Those of us that put our trust and faith in him, we not only get the blessing of having him with us and being forgiven and having that strength and that peace every day of our life, but we have the promise of eternity for that day when there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more death, there will be no more sickness, when this old body doesn't fall apart on us anymore. That is wonderful. But even more so than that, that's the day that we get to stand right there with God and see our maker face to face and be able to say, thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. Thank you, God, for being God. And thank you for letting me be here. Folks, that's the promise and the hope that we have. That's the power of the resurrection. That is God's cure for brokenness in our lives. His cure for brokenness isn't a self-help book. It's not a DVD, it's not a video, it's not a health shake. His cure for brokenness is himself. 
and there's nothing better. Mm. I'm going to ask that we come up a verse of some song this morning. And I want to implore you today, folks, the resurrection isn't real until you accept it by faith. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ this morning for who he is, then I want to implore you right now to do so. There's no better time than the present. Don't try to go one more day under your own power. Don't try to patch your life up one more time with a little bit of glue and duct tape. It's not going to work. Take it back to the Creator. Let Him make you something new and beautiful and wonderful in your life. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that He is raised from the dead, if we believe that in our heart, in our heart and we confess with our mouth, we will be saved. It's so simple, folks. Just go to Him and say, God, I am sorry, I am broken. I admit that you are God, that I am not. I know that you are exactly who you said you are. You have done exactly what you said you would do. And I am putting my faith and my trust in you from this day forward. Do that and be saved. Have this peace and this joy. Understand what it is we're celebrating on this beautiful Easter day. If you haven't said to Christ, are you living each day in the resurrection? Are you taking that time each morning to say, God, I am yours and you are mine. Make me what you will. Are you taking that time out each day to live in Him? Because if not, folks, you're living at best a half-life. Live a full life with Him. It's so much better than what this world offers. Now, as always, folks, you can pray where you're at. If you need someone to talk to you privately after the service, I'm available for anything. But, folks, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit for any reason to come forward, I encourage you to come forward, especially if you have never accepted Christ. Folks, come forward and do so this morning. There is no better time than that. But I encourage you to come forward for any reason as we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like some more information, please feel free to visit us online at www.oakgrovebaptistchurchtn.com or visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash oakgrovecleveland. We hope that this message has been a blessing to you, and we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.